Welcome to Pragmatic Live, a podcast created to help you succeed, especially if your job includes defining, building, and or marketing innovative products. I'm Mark Siving, a Pragmatic Marketing Instructor, and once again, today we get to talk with Rebecca Caligeris, our VP of Marketing here at Pragmatic. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. Rebecca, I'm really looking forward to today's podcast, and we're going to open our kimono, so to speak. We're going to show our listeners some of what we do inside Pragmatic Marketing. I'm especially interested today because we're going to talk about marketing automation. In particular, we at Pragmatic Marketing are implementing Pardot's marketing automation system, and this is a great opportunity for us to share what we're trying to do and what we're learning along the way. So, first question, what is Pardot? That's a good question, Mark. So it is, as you said, it is a marketing automation system. And there are lots of different software out here. So we're going to talk about Pardot because that's what we use because it ties into Salesforce, but it is not the only one and we're not saying it's the best one. Uh, But what it really allows you to do is start to see the top of the funnel of your marketing funnel, right? So if you think of Salesforce and the CRM system there, once it becomes a lead, once they really raise their hand and say, I'm a sales qualified lead and I want to purchase, Salesforce is great for following that through. But what often happens and what definitely happened for us, Mark, is that we had all of these marketing tools in different spaces. So we used a a form tool and we used an email marketing tool and we used a webinar tool and uh, a podcast tool and never the twain shall meet, right? They were like, different silos completely and so you couldn't really see how they interacted you couldn't see results and you couldn't follow someone's path through everything right so i couldn't see that uh, a lead would come in and see four webinars and two podcasts and then they'd subscribe to the magazine and then they would attend a course there was no way to see that kind of life cycle and so what the marketing automation software does is kind of twofold one it either has all of those tools or it plugs into the tools it doesn't have. It integrates in through those. So I have all of that information and all those interactions in one system. But then it also allows us to create um, what most of us call drip campaigns, although be warned, it is not what Pardot calls it. Uh, (laughs) But campaigns that automatically reach out to people based on any number of set of criteria. It could be based on their their criteria, it could be based on their actions, it could just be based on timing, right? So somebody comes to our course and we want to help them uh, implement. So how can we provide them helpful tips? Well, we'll use that as something that you could create in a marketing automation system to, to kind of reach out to them on a regular basis uh, to keep it up to date. Wow, lots. Yes. So <laughs> Okay, so you said the word marketing funnel. Is that different than a sales funnel? So I think they're one in the same to a great degree, right? Because it's all one process. We all have the same goal and we're all super connected. But the the marketing part of it um, is sort of the top of the funnel that is often not included in a CRM system, right? Because that's where you have just prospects and visitors and, and, and turning those into marketing qualified leads. So people worth nurturing from an end to mini perspective, but still not someone that your your salesperson should call individually. So uh, so for me, historically, there hasn't been a great database home for that kind of leads because if I put them in the Salesforce system or any sales sort of CRM system, then I overwhelm them with data that's not relevant to them yet. If they're not ready, they're not qualified, they're not nurtured to a degree, then my sales team should really be focused on them. Uh, but they do need a home. I need to be able to track them. Yeah, so if we were to step back and say the metaphor is the sales funnel, marketing's Mm -hmm. job is to put stuff into the sales funnel, Mm -hmm. then 
the marketing funnel you think of really is just, it's a different tool, but it's just feeding the sales mm -hmm. funnel. Right. It's like the top of the funnel. Yeah. Okay. And so now we're doing a podcast and you said podcast information makes it into Pardot. How does that happen? Someone who listens to our podcast, what's going to happen to this? Well, let's use webinars instead because our podcasts don't plug in today. Oh, uh, no. They, they could. They could. Wasted in some effort. What are we doing? Now, my whole credibility is shot. No. But our webinars do. So we use uh, Cisco for our webinar platform. And they are not the only one that have feeds in here again. So I'm not speaking to the, a particular tool. But the, the Cisco plugs right into Pardot. So it's awesome because I can send out all my invitations for the webinars out through Pardot. I can see who registered. I can then set them with different notifications, right? So I can set them a thanks for registering notification through Pardot. I could send them a reminder message through Pardot and then Pardot's connection also shows me whether or not they attended the webinar because everybody always wants to attend the webinar, but sometimes life gets in the way, right? And so I have different messaging that would go out depending on whether they were able to attend or not, right? Sorry, you couldn't come. Here's a copy of the slides and a link to the webinar so you can watch it on your own time. Thanks for coming. Give us some feedback. Here's some extra tools for you kind of thing. And Pardot can see who came and who didn't came. And then again, I can do different uh, campaigns or emails to those people depending on their activities and then it also rolls it up so I can see well this person's attended five webinars this person's attended two which webinars are the most popular which ones maybe do they have um, which webinars ha trigger the most number of subscriptions all of those things that I can see because it's connected really well uh, into our webinar system so it seems to me that the webinar is pretty easy because we get individual registrations for each webinar. Yes. And the reason the podcast isn't so easy is because, well, I subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Mm -hmm. I don't even think you know that I'm subscribed to our podcast. I would hope that you would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's true. I don't have named watchers of the podcast. And that's exactly yeah. why I don't have it. Yes, and so in order to get that into Pardot, we would somehow have people need to sign up on our website, mm -hmm. and we would be feeding their RSS feed or whatever it, how it is that they get syndicated their podcast to their listener, right? Their player. So, like, we have an RSS feed in development to push out uh, our new articles to people from our magazine, uh, and so that is that same similar functionality, but because it would be through our website, we could connect that into Pardot, and then we would have named notifications. But right now, we don't have that idea for podcasts. So this podcast, which is a brand new technology that's only been around for, what, 10 years now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. We're, we're doing this because we think that it might help people in the end, and it might help pragmatic, but we don't really have a way to track that into our systems. Correct. I can't close the loop. I can see I can see downloads. I can see listens. I can watch sort of social activity around it. I have certainly done, uh, and my team has done, a bunch of market visits where we know our audience travels a bunch, right? Um, and so podcasts are something that they name as a way they like to information. So again, I have all the front-end information, but I don't have the back information. And the thing that, that's really important here, Mark, though, is, be, is before Pardot, I didn't have that back-end information on any of the other tools. Right. So we talk about the webinar now. We talk about some of our other events that we do through Eventbrite, um, our, even our email campaigns. None of those tied back before. They were all like the podcast, which was like, I think these work. I mean, the end results, the, the very end result is where we want them to be. So something 
that we started at the front end must work and they must just be okay in the middle. We didn't have insights into any of those. And that was the really scary part, right? Uh, because you want to be very agile. You want to know what's working and what's not working and be able to sort of change tactics and priorities. And without that insight, there really wasn't an ability to do that. So while podcast is still an island, at least it's one of just a couple that way. And that we've, we've eliminated a bunch of the, the islands and guessing. Nice. So John Wanamaker, who was a retailer in 1900, late 1800s, he started his own retail spot. And he was one of the first retailers to do advertising. And he was the guy we all quote when we say the words, half my advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Mm. And so Pardot is really helping us understand which half of our marketing is really being useful and which half isn't being useful. Yes. Excellent. How easy was our implementation? Was it a really hard thing or was it an easy thing? You know, that's a really good question and we're not done with it. So I would say in terms of our marketing automation software, we're still at the, at the front end of implementing. From a, uh, and I believe our IT team would agree with me on this, but from a technical perspective, it was quite easy. It's, it's, a, it's you know, point and click setup. There's not a lot they have to do with integrations. We control our website in the marketing department and that was where or some of the pieces were. So that wasn't hard. Um, you know, integrating it with Salesforce, you just have to make some decisions about, you know, what kind of sync you ha want to have and how often. Um, but there's a lot. Like we talked about in the beginning when you asked me what it was and I gave instead a, a rambling answer about how many features it has. There's just a ton to set up and there's a ton to think through. So um, it, it, was, it was a little bit hard in that way. That, you know, it's not like, oh, let, let's just do an email. But then there's 50 choices that you have to make about the email and, and how are you going to grade it and how many points will I get for this and what are you going to call the lead and how of this that's really a bit overwhelming at first. And then as you start to get data in the system, it's really exciting, but it's a little bit like a fire hose. So all of a sudden you go from I have no information to there's thousands of people in the system and they have scores based on criteria you set up, which you kind of just had to like start a hypothesis and check in and you're, and you're getting all these notifications and, and you're just not sure what it all means. And so you have to get the data in there in order to be able to play with it. But then to make that into a usable insights um, is probably where we are now. We're like, whoa, there's so much information, but what is important and how are we going to be able to leverage it is, is sort of the next step that we're at now. It sounds like it's going to be a very iterative process because when you, when you first sign up and start using Pardot, you don't even know which data you really want to collect and what decisions you want to make. And, and over time, you start to figure that out as you see what's working, what's not working, where the, where the gaps, the questions. Yeah. And we, we, I talked to a lot of people before we got our system, just in terms of market automation software and, and, and were we ready for it? Was it big enough for it? And their kind of challenges and pieces. And I think one of the things that was clear that, that those who got the most out of it were also the ones who stuck with it. Sometimes I think when software is so many different features, you maybe find one and it's, it's got a benefit, but you're only using that small benefit, but everything else starts to get you know, you don't know it, you don't try it, and so it, you don't start to really see all the different ways it can help. And you've got to think of this, to your point exactly, as iterative. So this, we're going to start and we're going to build these campaigns through here and we're going to do our webinars through here and start to get data. Then, okay, what are we going to build in next? And you have to keep doing it because they're going to keep adding features and you, in order to really make it 
cost effective and to get the ROI on the software, you can't give up and you can't just do a safe corner of it. You have to keep pushing and learning and seeing how to take advantage of it. And our Pardot administrator here uh, has just really dug in. You know, she's, she's blocked eight to 10 every day. She does the hour trainings. They have a bunch of really good training programs and really is documenting everything so that we can become expert level users at Pardot um, and really start to take full advantage of it. Oh, that sounds great. Are we using a consultant or anybody to help us with this? Uh, we are not. Uh, we've talked about it, particularly when we when we first brought in, you know, right after the first of the year, everything kind of went live and it was just sort of like, ah, what do we do, right? <laughs> there was some panic. Um, but a lot of it were just decisions that we needed to make about our business. And because we hadn't had some of these tools in places, we'd not defined these things. We'd not defined lead criteria and we had not defined um, scoring pieces and we had not defined necessarily next steps because we didn't have the option. So it was just that we as a business had to sit down and really map out how we wanted to define things, what was more important. And again, it can be iterative so we can see if we're right and do it. But those were decisions that we just needed to make. Okay. Slightly changing topics because I'm just curious how you think about this. Are we a B2B company or a B2C company or both? So I would say we are primarily a B2B company. That is the majority of our business. Uh, and the majority of our customers are B2B companies as well. Uh, there are We do have some B2C customers. We do have some direct uh, attendees. But most of the people who attend our courses, it's funded from their company. So primarily B2B. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just processing this in my mind. When you think B2C, you're thinking those students who are paying for it themselves, they want to further their career, maybe they're not in product teams today, or even people who are in product teams who want to take the training, they've always wanted it, so they, they sign up and take it. Mm -hmm. Versus the ones where their company has paid for it and or encouraged them to go. I mean, yeah. It definitely is both factors, but so on-sites... Or so our private, we do private trainings at people's company and we do public trainings, obviously, that anyone can sign up for. So I think it's clear that the, the private trainings are, are really a B2B. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say on uh, our public trainings are more of a B2B play than I expected when I started. So when I started and I did a bunch of market visits, my assumption was everyone has, everyone works like me, Mark. And I had <laughs> found the course and made the case and I had driven that decision when I went to a, a training in 2005. What I found was that actually the majority, but not all of them were uh, company recommended, company pushed, do, uh, their boss said they should go more so than the individual found it themselves. It's not, you know, there's a good, there's still a good number of people who made the decision themselves, but more often it is the, the company driving. Okay, and so we, let's just call it B2B, but now let's call it private and public because I think that makes more sense mm -hmm. in how we split this up. Then how does Pardot, how are we using Pardot on both sides of that? Is it different? Is it the same? That's a great question. So um, I'm not sure I can fully answer that yet. Again, we're on the early side of our implementation. But in general, we really work as a company to try to foster and track relationships both at the individual and the account level, right? It's one of the things that makes some of our, our system requirements difficult is, is if you went to the course mark, I want to stay with you throughout your career. I want to 
always be a tool that you think about. I want to um, provide help with you in the different stages of your career. I want to maintain that relationship. But uh, I also, let's say uh, you work at Acme Corps and Acme Corps brought, brought us in. That's how we got to know you, right? We did a private company yep. there, training there. I want to maintain that relationship with Acme Corps after you leave as well, right? You get new people and they need new training and, and I want to make sure I understand their business and I understand those problems and I want to know yours. So I want to maintain both of those. Um, and so the goal would be that Pardot would do that as well. But but Pardot, um, everything that Pardot really allows you to do from an outbound perspective is digital and digital I require a name, right? I'm going to need a personal's email address to go to. So probably will lean towards more the person to person or the, you know, us to the person relationship, but we're certainly going to try and figure out how to leverage that to maintain that account relationship as well. And it seems that once we've done private training, that might be more in the sales and equals one type activities mm -hmm. than in the and equals many. I think that's really true. I mean, uh, and I would agree with yes. Uh, I do think there's some from the marketing side we do just in terms of implementation and, and helping stay top of mind. And for some companies, we do an, a private training, and that's everybody. We've, we've trained everybody in their company. And so we're going to certainly continue to support them. But there isn't that same, you know, if we did a, a small department of a multi-billion dollar company, then there is going to be more sales activity related to that than the company that we have fully trained from the beginning. Then we're going to want to move that over more to an account management feel. Okay. In our classes, we teach these concepts called MQL and SQL, marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads. Yes. Are we using those terms inside Pragmatic? Yes. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, I, I, our, poor, our head of sales, who's a great partner here, we do not have the Athens-Sparta issue, but he's not had a chance to go through our market and launch course. So I was like, well, this is really exciting because those you know, the MQLs don't really have a home right now, so I can't foster them. So you're not even, you know, the only thing in our CRM, and I'm like going on and on, and he was like, uh, you could just see the look, right? The look on his face was like, like he was trying, like, like I had dropped these acronyms, like, of course, you know, and he was just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> he was, he's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh no, that's fine. And then we talked through him and, and that's exactly, and, and again, to me, that's the part that Pardot allows us to do that we just had complete blindness into. And so we were not able to nurture those MQLs to the same, we, we couldn't nurture them. They, they would get, um, they would get some communication from us, but there was no, real strategy or plan around it because they were they were sitting by themselves in a in a siloed place. There was no way to really update the information. There was no way for them to to kind of move them through phases or to provide them deeper and deeper information because they had no history or context around them. So that's where this really I think shines. I would think sales would love this because suddenly they're getting leads that that people actually care about as opposed to, hey, this person downloaded a webinar. Yes. And that was a, we had a we had a we had a few we've had a few issues we've learned from our mistakes here um, a couple times <laughs> with Pardot, but and that's to be expected. But some of them were more painful than others. Uh, but at first it was set up that like I mean every time someone got a webinar it showed up in the sales queue and you're like well that's a that's not our philosophy we are we do webinars and podcasts and things like this because we were passionate about providing tools that people can use to help their career. Do I hope that that leads them to thinking that they should get a training course? Of course. But we really do believe that providing those tools are important 
regardless of the purchase involved with that. So the idea that you would attend a webinar and get a phone call is 125% not what we're about. Uh, and it didn't happen because we saw them, but all of a sudden they had, you know, we get 2,000 registrants for a webinar. So all of a sudden one day they showed up and they had 800 new leads in their mind, right? And yes. so the real leads are lost. And that's the last thing we want to do, right, is we want to take that noise out of them. Let us, from a marketing perspective, continue to provide them the tools and the, and the um, materials that they've asked for. And when they're ready, sales is going to have a lot of contacts and a lot of history about them. And we can make that progress much more smooth. Okay. So here's the hard question. How well are we doing on lead scoring? How do we, what's our, what's our score that you have to hit and how do you get there? Can you give me an example of what it takes to, to surpass our score? So right now the scores are all theoretical. So we've, we've set up the scoring and the grading. So scoring is based on the activities that the um, prospect has done, right? Have they clicked the link? Have they downloaded a, a, the survey? Have they attended a webinar? Have they registered for the webinar? All of those makes their grades or it makes their score. And their grading is based on demographics. So what size company are they from? Maybe what title they have? You can do it based on any number of things. But those are sort of the, the, the static demographic grading and then their scoring is the activities that they've done. And so we've set this up, but we've really just set it up for informational purposes for several reasons. One is we had to define numbers that we don't really have any historical data to, to say, right? Like, I don't actually know if attending a webinar makes you more likely to want to purchase than having um, downloaded the survey or having, you know, visited our website 50 times. I don't know because we don't have any historical data. So the idea now is just to sort of start the scoring and then watch and see, hey, how do these scores going to go? How does this match up with the, with the, the results that they eventually show us and kind of learn that way? We are not a very um, aggressive company in our sales approach, right? We're really about teaching people and providing value to them. I don't want to, we have no desire to flip people over to a different process that aren't ready for it. So we're using this, this probably the whole year uh, as information gathering to figure out how the lead scoring works to see if we can start to predict their behaviors more so than switch them over to sales and drive them a different way. Love that concept. It sounds to me, though, that we're not doing any MQLs this year, then? I don't know that I would agree with that. So I think of marketing qualified leads as I'm going to take a visitor, who's someone who just visits us, and I want to turn him into a prospect, somebody who has um, sort of granted me permission to continue to talk to them. They can do that a variety of different ways. But, you know, that's what I want to do. And then at that point, they become a marketing qualified lead. And I'm going to spend all of this time nurturing them. And I'm going to nurture them in the same ways we do today. We don't nurture with hard, you know, crazy Sunday, Sunday sales. We nurture by providing good content uh, in a variety of different ways and making sure they know that it's available, uh, making sure they know about the networking events that we have available, making sure that they know about uh, all of the different webinars and podcasts and tools like that. So we'll continue to take those marketing qualified leads and nurture them. What they will eventually become is sales qualified leads. Now, and today that's only going to be driven by their specific behaviors. And, and this may always be the case where when they raise their hand and say, I want to talk to you about having a private training, then they'll flip over to a sales qualified lead. So when you say we won't do marketing qualified leads, I'm not sure. Maybe okay. I'm not following what you're asking. Yeah. So you and I are defining marketing qualified lead and sales qualified lead differently. Um, let me tell you how we teach it in class. It may not be how you've used it your entire career. 
Um, so what we teach in class is a marketing qualified lead is once a lead has achieved a specific lead score and we as marketing take that lead, we've now qualified it and we hand it off to sales. A sales qualified lead is typically when the sales team, usually it's an inside salesperson, they make the first call and they say, does this person have a budget? Is there really a requirement? Are they really shopping? Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a sales qualified lead and they hand it off typically to an outside salesperson and they, they then go through the sales process to say, let's see if we can get, win this customer. No. And I'm, so we don't have, we don't have quite that formal a process here. We're a smaller team, right? But I would say that, that in that definition, and I can't really argue you teach the course. So I guess I just have to (laughs) say, fine, Mark, be right. So that we do all of the steps of the marketing qualified lead. And that's why we're doing the scoring. We're just not doing any automatic flip to the sales qualified lead. Right. So we're gathering that data. And then when they raise their hand, they'll do it. But we don't we're not bringing that sales in without an an action from the from the customer Although we'll know the scores. And and we're getting we're hoping to get to the point where we can predict that, that we could predict it maybe before the customer raises their hand and we can do some different things. But wanting to make sure that we lean to the side of um, respect with our customers. We all have those stalking customers that call you or uh, stalking, you know, Salespeople. They, I yes. went to their website and they call me. I, I that's I hate that. I don't think that's appropriate. Um, and and we now on their daily email list. Yeah, <laughs> and right and like as a company, we don't agree with that, right? As you know, you don't teach that, and so we're not going to do that. So if anything, we may be a little conservative on that. But I think this year in getting the data and watching the scores and and fine tweaking the um, what we use uh, in terms of how many points they get for the different activities will really help us see where there is some opportunity. What I love about everything we've talked about is that if you put yourself in the side of our customer or our prospect for a second, what we're trying to do is give them the information they really want when they want it, as opposed to spamming them all the time and, and saying, hey, don't forget about us. Yes. And, and exactly. I want to be able to understand them better so I can give them more useful information. I don't want to tell them about a a great alumni networking event in Chicago when they are in Atlanta, right? I want to, I want to know, you know, based on what they did, what core, you know, what, what webinars are going to ring true to them. So both so that I make sure that we do those kind of webinars, right? That we get them on our calendar and that when we do them, that they get to know about them. Okay. I have to say, this has been fascinating. I've really enjoyed le- learning how we are doing this inside. Um, we've been live for a month now, it sounds like. Yes. Yes. Are there, I hate to ask this one, but are there any success stories in our first month? So um, that is an interesting question. So, I, you know, we are definitely on the early side of the implementation. We have learned a ton uh, I'm really proud of the team and how they've they've dug in. You know, you could see they're completely overwhelmed, and then they just kind of broke it down what they needed to do. Um, so there's some great little hey, this is what you shouldn't do. Um, but I think where we got so the the connections that we've seen have been really exciting. We did our first. It's so funny. Like a bunch of the audience is going to be like, that was your first landing page. That's cute. (laughs) But we did. We did our first like real landing page with our annual survey, and so we were you know, we were able to get a much better idea of who was downloading it, what they were going to do with it. We, we made it, again, it wasn't a big gate. We're not looking for a million pieces of information from people, but we were able to, to see um, better stats about 
the people who downloaded the survey, are these our alumni? Are they not our alumni? What are they looking for? What kind of questions did they have? I mean, uh, and we're really super excited to be able to do some A-B testing. Uh, big fans of, you know, A-B testing and, and Pardot and the other marketing automation systems as well, I'm sure, have some really nice A-B testings like built in. Like, for instance, you could do an A-B test of a web page or a landing page. You could do it of an email. And the way it's set up is it's going you're going to take some segment of your audience, right? And they're going to see both versions, right? So let's say you want, I want to A-B test against 20% of my audience. And then you're going to define what makes one more successful than the other. So whether it was, say it's an email, whether which one was open more, which one had more uh, links, clicks, whatever it is. And then after that 20% did that, it's automatically going to show the winning one to the remaining 80%. Like, that's cool. I mean, that it's just a really neat. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right? You dork absolutely. out. Like, and just seeing the data, seeing the data to start come in and, and for us to be able to start to make sort of heads and tails of it is pretty exciting. This sounds like fun. I'm, I'm thrilled that you talked to us about this today, Rebecca. Thank you. And I will, I, I, it is fun. We're early on and I will definitely say, I mean, I would, I, I would open to talking to anyone who's new to this and wants to know more about it. Or if you're an expert at this, whatever system you use, I would love to pick your brain <laughs> um, and, and kind of learn even ways to get more out of it. Hey, I have a brilliant idea. Let's find someone who uses a marketing automation system and interview them and see what the heck they're doing. Oh, I love that idea. And we could interview them together and we could ask questions. You could terrorize them with, you know, are they using MQL right? And I yes. Ask, <laughs> mocking their 10 years podcast activities. And I can be supportive and ask helpful questions. So. <laughs> you could be the nurturing one. Right, I can. No, I think that would be great. So if anybody here listening uh, wants to share their story, we would love to talk to you. Uh, successes and failures, both. Awesome. Well, to our listeners, we hope you learned something today. After all, our goal is to help you succeed. We'd love to hear from you what worked, what didn't. Share your thoughts and ideas. Uh, send your comments to experts at pragmaticmarketing.com. Also, don't forget to join us for the next episode of Pragmatic Live. <laughs>